Well, amen. <clears throat> what a wonderful morning of praise already. I want to invite you to take your copy of the Lord's Word as we continue one more Sunday in our series on the family. As we talk this morning about this particular message that you can trust God with wayward children. I would invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Judges, that's in the Old Testament, chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Judges, chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. If you open your Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, one more, that's Judges. You hit Samuel and Kings and Chronicles, you've gone too far. You need to back up just, just a little bit. But here's our main statement for this morning. When your grown kids rebel against your convictions, you can trust that God is at work. When your grown kids rebel against your convictions, you can trust that God is at work. I read about this a few weeks ago, and it was a young man that uh, had left a letter for his dad. His dad went into his room and found the whole room swept clean. Everything was either put away or missing, and there was a note lying on the bed. And his dad, feeling very uncomfortable, picked up with much trepidation this letter and began to open it, and his fears just enveloped him as he started to read. It said, Dad, it is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing to you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I knew you and mom wouldn't approve and I wanted to avoid making a scene with mom and you. I've been finding real passion with Stacy. She's so nice, but I knew you wouldn't approve because of her piercings, tattoos, tight motorcycle clothes, and the fact that she's much older than I am. But it's not only the passion, Dad. She's pregnant. Stacy said that we would be very happy, and she owns a nice trailer in the middle of the woods with no power, but has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. We share a dream of having many more children together. Stacy's really opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anybody. We'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with other people in the commune, all for, the for all the cocaine and ecstasy that we could possibly want. In the meantime, we'll pray that science will find a cure to that certain virus that Stacy has, but she assures me is not, is not transmissible, uh, for she sure deserves it. Don't worry, Dad. I know I'm just 15, but I know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure we'll be back to visit so you can get to know your grandchildren. Love, Joshua. Uh, there was a P.S. at the bottom of the page. It said, P.S. Dad, none of this is true. I'm over at Jason's house. I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than having a bad grade on a report card that's laying on the kitchen table. <laughs> Call me when it's safe to come home. <laughs> things could be worse. But what do you do? What do you do when your child comes home and says, 
Hi, Mom. I want you to meet my boyfriend that I'm living with, and I have a baby. What do you do when your child comes home and says, Hey, Dad, I just I don't think I'm going to be doing the church thing anymore. You know what? I'm more comfortable just not practicing religion. What, what do you do when your son comes home and says, Hey, Dad, I want you to meet my new boyfriend. What do you do when your child comes home and introduces you to an obvious violation of your personal convictions, especially in situations that you believe it's not just your personal convictions, but it's the convictions of God's Word. What do you do when your adult children go in a different direction from which you raised them? If we were to poll the room and we're not, I'm sure that there are many people in this room, whether parents or grandparents, that would say, I could tell you a story, or I could tell you two. Somebody could say, listen, I could tell you a whole handful of stories. This subject touches my life. Well, in Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 4, we read about a very famous character in the Bible, one of the judges. His name is Samson. Now, of course, you know Samson for his incredible strength. God gave him supernatural strength in order to accomplish great deeds to liberate the people of Israel from their Philistine oppressors. But Samson's whole life is encapsulated in just a few chapters of the Bible. I want to read to you Samson's coming of age in Judges 14, 1 through 4. Samson went down to Timnah. At Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. When he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said, you're right, Mom and Dad. No, he didn't say that. But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. What a blessing. Verse 4. His father and mother did not know it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. So our main statement is, when your grown kids rebel against your convictions, you can trust that God is at work. Let's do a little homework here as we begin. Why was it such a big deal that Samson would marry outside of his people? This is some kind of prohibition against interracial marriage or something like that. No. 
The Old Testament is clear. It doesn't prohibit marriages upon race. It has to do with worship. God did not want Israel intermingling in marriage with people that practiced a different way of worship and worshiping other gods. If they were to find someone from another nation or ethnicity for that matter, if they were to find someone who would convert and worship to Yahweh, that was fine. Namely, there's a whole book that comes shortly after this called Ruth, where Ruth, a Moabite who worships Yahweh, is welcomed into the family of Israel because she is a worshiper of Yahweh. But it is not just their personal taste. These were commands that were found in the law of God. These were clear instructions from Moses and Joshua. Do not intermarry with those who worship other gods. In fact, if you were to find a common thread of disaster in the Old Testament of what causes problems over and over again for the people of Israel, it's when people married outside of the faith of Israel. The most famous one to do this would be Solomon, bringing in many wives and many other practices of worship and confusing the family of Israel with who was the true God. So when Samson comes in and says, hey, I found this really good-looking Philistine girl, mom and dad. Go get her for me. Imagine how their heart must have broken. They're thinking, Samson, you know better than this. We taught you better than this. Samson, you've, you've gone to the tabernacle with us. You've listened to the teaching of the priests. You, you know we can't do that. You know we're not to intermingle with those who worship other gods. You know that this is against God's law. All of these things. I guess he did. And it didn't matter. Because Samson saw what he wanted, saw what he liked and said, you all go and do it for me, regardless of how much his parents pleaded with him, saying, son, please, take consideration of the things of God. So principle number one, almost every grown child rebels at least slightly against their parents' convictions. Almost every grown child rebels at least slightly against their parents' convictions. We know that this is a part of growing up. If I were to ask the room, how many of you all agree with everything on every matter with your mom and dad and your grandparents? Not a single hand would go up in the room. I didn't ask you whether you loved them. I didn't ask you whether you respected them. Hopefully, we all do that. I asked, on every matter, do you agree and support the convictions of your parents? And almost all of us are eventually going to find a place where we say, you know what, I stand with mom and dad on about 99, 98, 95, 90, I don't know what, 99.9% .9 of their convictions. But there are a few things 
that, you know what? I disagree with mom and dad on this. That may be slight, but that means you are rebelling against their convictions. So not all rebellion is necessarily a bad thing. Part of some rebelling and pushing back against mom and dad is a part of growing up. I think there's no surprise that this story is Samson's coming of age. He's becoming a man. He's making decisions for himself. And as a part of growing up, that process is making your decisions apart from your parents. But what we learn through this story, as you become an adult, as children become adults and make their own decisions, their lives, even though their relationship is now different with their parents, is still connected to their parents. A couple of things. First, it does not matter what miracles transpired when they were born. Because here's what happens typically with many of us when we have wayward children. Parents say, oh my gosh, I prayed for years to even get pregnant. And this is what I got. I prayed for years that this would happen. And then look what happened. What happened? Friends, there is no one outside of Jesus in the Bible that had a more miraculous and beautiful birth narrative than Samson. Do you know it? I'm going to read it to you. It's 20 verses. Jesus gets 20 verses in Luke's chapter 2. Samson gets 20 verses in Judges chapter 13. I'm going to read them to you. Judges 13, 1 through 20. This is the story of Samson's birth. Some of you don't know this. This is, this is amazing. The people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the, God, so the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Doesn't this sound like Jesus? Therefore be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean, for behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, A man of God came to me and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then no drink, no wine, then drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean, for the child should be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman came, ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other days has 
appeared to me. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be this child's manner of life? And what is his mission? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, If you detain me, I will not eat of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. This is God himself. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name so that when your words come true, we may honor you? And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. And when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. That is an amazing story. I could not think of a more miraculous birth narrative outside of Jesus's that's found in the Bible. Only Jesus has a more dramatic birth story than Samson. But I'm telling you, when it comes to wayward children, doesn't matter what miracles happen when they came into the world. N next one. It doesn't matter how faithfully you raise them in adolescence. It doesn't matter how faithfully you raise them in adolescence. Uh, for instance, I want you to look over in Judges chapter 13, 24. It'll be on the screen. This is after Samson is born. It says, And the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the young man grew, and the Lord blessed him. Samson came into the world and was a blessing to his family and was blessed by them. They had seen God worked wonders answer prayers, and they raised him in the fear of God. But when it comes to wayward children, it doesn't matter how you raise them, at least according to this story, right? Also, it doesn't matter how you've seen God work in them through adolescence. Because here's another thing. When adult children go wayward, parents go, wait, I, hold on. I was there when I saw God do this in their life and I was there when I saw God do this I was there when we went to the front of the church together I was there when they shared their testimony I was there when we prayed at the bedside together every night I knew it was real I know my child and look at him what is going on brother Matt well listen to Judges chapter 13 25 as Samson grew what does the scripture say and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtael. What is it 
How is it that God can be at work in a child and God be stirring his heart and her heart and they have a blessed upbringing and then they reach adulthood and then just seemingly walk away from all of that? No wonder can, can, you, can you hear, can you feel the burden of Manoah and his wife looking back again in chapter 14, verse 3, after Samson so cavalierly says, I saw a girl that I want, go get her for me. Verse 3, um, but his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all? All our people that you must take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? See, now his parents are just trying to use little logic. Son, there is more than one woman in the world. Have you seen every woman in Israel? There are lots of fish in the sea out there. Why do you want that one? That one is clearly not a worshiper of Yahweh. Son, let's talk and think reasonably together. Why don't you find a nice, pretty, respectable girl amongst your people that goes to church with us, right? And Samson, responding to this wonderful exposition and display of logic and commitment to the Word of God, says, no. What? Well, I know there's some parents in the room that say, I know what he's talking about here. I can relate to Manoah and his wife. Also, growing and grown children will challenge their parents' convictions. Growing and grown children will challenge their parents' convictions. It may not be on big stuff. It may be that your child comes home and says, Dad, I voted for a Democrat. (laughs) Or Dad, I voted for a Republican. And in some families, if you switch a party, that's a big deal. It may be somebody coming home and saying, Dad, I'm going to Ole Miss. (laughs) Dad, I'm going to state. Don't hate me. It may be something as silly as that. I know somebody's saying, preacher, that ain't silly. (laughs) This guy's from Tennessee. He doesn't know anything. Tennessee doesn't have any in-state rival. But they come home, and maybe it's not a big thing, but maybe it is. Mom and Dad, I found this person that I want to spend my life forever with. She's not even a Christian. She doesn't even go to church. In fact, she doesn't believe in God. It's in a sense the story we have here with Samson. This woman is a pagan. She worships other deities. And they try to reason with the man Samson. Let's go to our next principle. Parenting children is different than parenting adults. Parenting children is different than parenting adults. I had the privilege of yesterday of officiating a wedding in Section, Alabama. 
overlooking Lake Gunnersville there, the Tennessee River. It was Bo and Tiffany Phillips' daughter, Olivia, marrying Jonte Amos. Beautiful wedding, beautiful couple, and such a beautiful setting yesterday. And I was talking to the parents of the bride yesterday, and we were talking about the importance of acknowledging the change in relationship as children grow. Because when children are little, you have a certain lane, right? And when children become adults, you have to shift lanes. We all know this, but not all of us do this. And some of us, including myself, struggle with the idea of finding a new lane after for so long our children have been in our daily care. Parenting children is different than parenting adults. I want you to notice what Manoah and his wife did not do. They did not say, Samson, go to your room in our tent. They did not say, Samson, you're grounded. Samson, you're going to get a spanking. I'd like to see them try to spank Samson. No, Samson's a man. You can't talk to a man like you talk to a child. You can't talk to a grown woman like you talk to a little girl. And I'm not saying that we should be hard on children. That's not my implication. I'm just saying there's a whole different approach. They sought to reason with their adult son. Why? Because the relationship has changed. You see, parenting never ends. It just changes when children reach adulthood. Parenting never ends. It just changes when children reach adulthood. Here's two things that go back to back together. Parents of children teach responsibility and enforce consequences. Parents of children teach responsibility and enforce consequences. Listen to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. I don't know that this is entirely right, but best we can tell from our understanding of Scripture and just in how we were raised, Andrea and I are trying to get this parenting thing right. Somebody asked me here recently after doing a sermon series on this, they said, Brother Matt, you should put all this in a book and you should write a book on parenting. Are you kidding me? That'd be like tempting fate, right? As soon as I did that, somebody would get arrested, right? <laughs> but, and I'm grateful for people who write books. In fact, there's one I wanted to tell you about. In fact, put it on the screen. There's some of you all that need to order this book today. It's Doing Life with Your Adult Children. Keep Your Mouth Shut and Your Welcome Mat Out by Dr. Jim Burns. He's a Christian psychologist, and whether or not you have a healthy relationship with your children or an unhealthy one, my parents are the one who gave this book to me. My aunt and uncle, apparently everybody in my family had read it in the last few years. I knew they'd read something because it had been different around the house. <laughs> and it's an amazing book. I read it. As with everything outside of the Bible, you're going to find things you don't agree with. I think you will find this book helpful. 
And if you have grown children, grown grandchildren, or you've got children that are about to be there, doing life with your adult children, I think, will be a freeing read for you. But going back, parents of children teach responsibility and enforce consequences. Here's what Andrea and I try to do. When our, we want to teach our children, and when our children violate what we believe are our instructions or they violate the instructions of the Word of God, we call them on it. And depending on their response depends on what kind of consequences they will receive. For instance, my children haven't figured this out, especially my little ones. My older ones have kind of figured it out now. That, for instance, when you, mom and dad get on to you, if you say, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That pretty much ends the situation right there. But if you scream and you say, you're wrong and you'll never take me alive, um, that means a little bit more correction needs to take place because clearly you don't see what you need to see. And it's my responsibility as a parent to give you consequences and discipline you in order for you, you to see what I need you to see, because eventually you're going to be an adult, and I'm not going to be able to teach you like I'm teaching you now. That's what we're doing, right? Parents of adults, though, are different. Where parents of children teach responsibility and enforce consequences, parents of adults to, have to take the Manoah approach, communicate responsibility, and warn of consequences. Listen, once your children are adults, don't try to control them. It will backfire on you. You say, well, I'm really good at it. They don't know I'm controlling them. That's really manipulative. That's called passive aggressive, and you might need to see a counselor. <laughs> don't try to control your children. There is a better option. Parents of adults communicate responsibility and warn of consequences. I love this passage. It's going to be on the screen. This is the teaching of David to his son Solomon. Oh, I love this. 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I'm thinking of uh, Rudyard Kipling's poem, If, here. When David's time to die drew near... He commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. I love that. And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes and his commandments, his rules and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you turn. Parents of adults communicate responsibility and warn of consequences. Once your children are adults, you don't enforce consequences anymore. Believe me, life is a very strict teacher. Consequences take care of themselves. But this is not that you shut your mouth on all things. This means your conversation changes. 
and you're no longer teaching and pandering them as a child and enforcing discipline. You're communicating responsibility and encouraging them, reminding them of what's right as Manoah did and warning them of consequences. A couple things that I've noticed through the years. Parents of children pray. Parents of adults pray more. This is just something that I've seen. Parents of children pray, and parents of adults pray more. Maybe it's because that when we're little, we're distracted by them, or maybe it's because we think when they're little, we have them under control. There are so many verses here, and I just want to share a couple with you. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. These are not verses that specifically pertain to praying for your children, but they're verses for prophets and leaders in Israel praying for the people as if they are their children. So the assumption is this is how adult children are prayed for by their parents. In his farewell address, Samuel says this in 1 Samuel 12, 23. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and right way. Man, isn't that a beautiful verse? Listen to Colossians 1, 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul's letter to Timothy, writing to Timothy as a son. First, second Timothy chapter one and verse three, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Mom and dad, pray for your children. God hears those prayers. Principle number three, because we're running out of time. This is probably the most encouraging part, and this is the part, if you've heard nothing else, I want you to hear today. I want you to look back in verse number four. After Samson says, no, go get her for me, enough with your ancient wisdom and stuff like that i saw a girl and i liked her i'll marry who i want verse four his father and mother did not know that it was from the lord for he was seeking as in god an opportunity against the philistines at the time the philistines ruled over israel oh now This gets comforting and confusing all at the same time. Principle number three. God is working in your child's rebellion. God is working in your adult child's rebellion, and in fact, he may be the instigator. Oh, don't say it, Brother Matt. Oh, don't say it. I'm just reading you the Bible. Let's unpack this together. God is working in your child's rebellion, and in fact, he may be the instigator. Friends, God is working in your child. God is working in your child. Now, you say, wait a second. God wouldn't be causing my child to be making bad decisions. Well, no, it doesn't work like that. We know from, for instance, James chapter 1, 13 through 14, let no one say when he is tempted that I'm being tempted 
by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. But then again, we have Matthew 6.13, the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. The Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted. Apparently, the Spirit of God used this really good-looking Philistine pagan girl to get Samson into Philistine country so that God could do his work. What does that mean? Regardless of what it looks like, because in the moment, Manoah and his wife are thinking, our lives are over. We had this miraculous birth. Now he's marrying a pagan. We'll be banned in our community. We won't be accepted by God. Everybody will think we're terrible parents. Who are we kidding? We'll think we're terrible parents. we got to live with this. What is going on? And the whole time God's in heaven saying, hey, I knew all about this. In fact, Manoah, chill out. I'm working. God does not tempt us to sin, but he leads us to temptation to grow us, folks. And not only is God working in your child, God's working in Manoah. God's working in mom and dad. Because there is something for the whole nation of Israel that God can even work in a rebellious young adult to work his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Because when you look at that rebellious, wayward child and see nothing but destruction, somewhere in all of those clouds is hiding God's smiling face. Also, God is going to bless his people through your child's rebellion. God is going to use this hormonal, aggressive teenage boy to save a nation. And he started with giving Samson desire for a woman he had no business pursuing. This is how God works. Which brings me to the final statement. Romans 8.28 applies even to parents with wayward children. Let's put it on the screen. Let's look at it together. We look at it all the time. And we know that for all those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So let's, let's just fill in some blanks here. And we know that for all those who love God and their children walk away from the faith, that is going to be worked together for good. And we know that for all those who love God and their children marry outside of the will of God, that's going to be worked for good too. And we know that for all those who love God, their children go off and pursue convictions and morals totally contrary to the word of God. If this were our story and not Samson, there would be a verse 4 in your life which said, but they didn't know that God was using this 
to work his good will. So parent and grandparent, God's right in the middle of your wayward child. And he's not finished yet. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Seal it to our hearts in Christ Jesus today. Lord, I pray for moms and dads in this room that right now there is not somebody else's kid but the name of their most precious son or daughter in the forefront of their mind right now. Their most precious granddaughter, grandson. And Lord, they're holding those pondered things in their hearts from miracles through their early life seeing how God's worked in them and yet trying to make sense of the seeming destruction that is taking place in the moment. Lord, two things. I pray for each of those names that were thought of that you might bring them to yourself. And then number two, would you let verse number four sink deep into hearts today and assure my friends their wayward children are not unnoticed by you or their wayward children are being used by you and you will finish the good work you started we love you it's in Jesus name I pray amen and amen